Hi, this is John Kennedy, uh, CEO of NJMEP, part of the uh, MEP National Network. Uh, as most of you know, there's 51 of us across the country, and that includes our friends down in Puerto Rico. Um, Manufacturing Talk Radio, again, as you probably know, was started by uh, Lou Weiss uh, uh, years ago to try to bring more media to manufacturing in the United States. And he is a manufacturer, which adds to it. This program is called Manufacturing Partnership and Making Waves. Uh, the waves we're trying to make are positive ones, you know, talking about an industry that we truly cannot live without. And uh, if you haven't, uh, you know, had any real hunger pains or medication losses or anything else, or could fill up your gas uh, vehicles or turn on the light switch over the past year uh, during the pandemic, you uh, can understand that manufacturing was up and running. Uh, so today our guest is, is, is new to me. Usually we have a center director from one of the other uh, centers, but we've got, uh, and I hope I pronounce it right, Tony Demacus. It's close oh. enough. I've been called worse. Demacus, Demacus. Uh, depends on how you want to say it. It's fine. Uh, well, yeah, I'll do my best. I'm just going to call you Tony from this way forward. Awesome. Uh, most people can't pronounce my last name, believe it or not. What is your last name? Kennedy. Kennedy. Huh? That's a tough one. I'm sure the, the P is silent. <laughs> Amen. Well, uh, Tony's the president of Alliance Specialties and Laser Sales. Uh, they're a service uh, industry uh, component uh, into the plastic ingestion, mold, and finishing uh, efforts. Uh, people don't realize that manufacturing manufacturing is made up of not only manufacturers, but the services, the engineering, the transportation logistics. That's the supply chain. Yep. Um, Tony also hosts a, a podcast called the Manufacturing Alliance, and uh, that focuses also on uh, U.S.-based manufacturers. So this is kind of cool and a little different. So uh, welcome, Tony. Uh, appreciate you spending a, a half hour or so with me today. Yeah, absolutely. I was excited for the opportunity. I love talking about manufacturing and trying to help other people understand exactly what that means, what that looks like, and how it's not this dark, dirty uh, world anymore, how it's grown and evolved. And it's, and it's a viable, um, it's a viable career for people that don't know what else they want to do with their lives. Yeah, well, you know, it's something that over my last 30 years in the industry, I heard a lot of times that it was a dead industry. And uh, hell, it's paid a lot of bills for me. And uh, as we look around the rooms we're in, you can see all the things that somebody manufactured. So that's a good stuff. Why don't you yeah, there, I mean, it's everywhere, right? And even if it's not just plastic, like we put our focus in plastic and the simplest things, like I have a Sharpie here, like the, everything about the Sharpie had to be manufactured to precise detail. And a lot of people, whether using a pen or whatever it is, they don't realize how much time goes into actually building that part and how specific everything has to be. You know, when you're taking the pen apart or you're pulling the top off or, or um, whatever you're doing with it, those engineers have designed that in such a way that it's got just the right amount of force. So it's not too difficult to get apart. So it doesn't just slide out. And it, they, they treat those parts like medical parts, not just a pen. 
right? For us, it's just a pen. For them, it's their livelihood. It's the, it's uh-huh. what they do um, because it's important to their customer. It's really important to Sharpie or Bic or whoever it is that that pen fo- function the way that they want it to function. Um, so to them, it's not just a pen. It's it's how they're helping people do their jobs. Agreed. You know, I mean, as I said to you earlier, you know, I owned a large board machine shop. So we were, I bought all the large machines because a lot of companies had the smaller machines. And, you know, we did things that, you know, people didn't realize, you know, yep. how does your power plant work without this housing? Well, it doesn't. And, yep. and those are the uh, items that you're talking about. Why don't you give me a little bit of the history of your company, uh, you know, where you came from and, and where you are today? Yeah, I'd love to. Um, so my father started our company 41 years ago. It's a family owned company. Um, he started it in his garage with a friend of his as a, as a mold polisher. So he was uh, an apprentice. He was an apprentice mold maker. He worked at some, uh, some high-end companies like Jandler here in Chicago. Um, and he quickly realized that he wasn't going to be the best mold maker, um, but that there were things that mold makers needed done that might fit his forte better. And so him and a a friend of his started a a polishing company. It was strictly a polishing company out of their garage, um, just the two of them. And uh, he would tell us all the time how easy it was. You just get in the truck at 7 a.m. and you drive down the street to all the mold makers. You load up the truck, you go home, you uh, work on it the next day. And the next day you go out and you drop off the stuff that you just finished and you pick up more. And there were mold makers and mold making companies on every street um, in, in big industrial parks. And it was really easy to get work. And um, that's changed a little bit now, of course. Um, but so is our business. So instead of just a polishing company, we are now a hub for mold making. Um, we like to say that we're mold makers that don't build molds because we do everything and we have our hands in everything that mold makers need. So um, that, that means we do the polishing, mold finishing. Uh, we work with our sister company next door to do plating, um, different kinds of chrome plating and hard chrome plating and, uh, and things like that. And then also within our facility, we do preventative mold maintenance and repairs. We do hot runner manifold cleaning and repairs. Um, can be a complete rebuild. Uh, we also do laser welding, laser engraving, um, all in one, one shop, one facility. And why that's unique and why it's a benefit is because it takes away a lot of the downtime and the risk and the confusion of where's my job, right? If you need multiple things done, you can just bring it to one place. We take responsibility for the part. We have the mold makers that we have on staff, take a look at everything, assess the damage, assess what's going on. And then we work with our customer to come up with the right idea on how to move forward with that project. So we're able to eliminate timelines and fear that the customer might have, because if it's not in their plant, you don't know what's going on, right? It's just like having a kid. If your kid's not with you, you don't know what's happening with your kid. And, and it's, it's kind of a, a fear. Um, and from that background of things, when we got into um, doing the laser welding work, um, we realized very quickly that that was uh, a market that anybody can pick up and that it was going to grow fairly quickly. And so we, uh, we started distributing for uh, a company. And uh, over time, we're still working with that company, Vision uh, Laser out of Germany. Uh, Originally, we we were working with OR, who is now Coherent. Um, So they've since grown and been bought um, at least once. And um, we're working with Vision out of Germany. And we also 
um, started developing our own line of laser welding and laser engraving equipment for specifically uh, plastic injection molding. And so um, we've continued to grow and evolve our business as the needs of the customers come up. So um, my father had this way of doing things where he would have an idea and then a customer would ask him, hey, do you guys do uh, uh, chrome plating? And he would say, yeah, we can do that. And uh, he would start taking record of how many people were asking that question. And if he realized that the demand was high enough, we would acquire that service um, and then bring that in-house because we knew that we already had client base to do that. And so that's the way we've grown our business. We've grown it in a way that uh, allows us to make a difference for our customers and only doing those things that, that make sense. Yeah, I like the way you, uh, your, your dad thinks uh, because, I mean, I think that's a lot of us. You know, I, I always called it saying no less because yes. when a client calls you and says, hey, John, do you do this? And you keep saying no, they're not going to call you for the things they do. So, right. so you try to find, you find a partner that you can trust. You find a business that you can expand into and you become the go-to people in, in that niche. And, uh, you know, just, you know, hearing about you, I mean, we work in New Jersey, we work with thousands of injection mold firms, thousands, yep. literally. And, uh, and, you know, now you have me thinking differently, you know, in the sense of, you know, who's providing them that support? And if they're not, uh, is there an introduction to be had? Because, while our focus as an MEP is in our particular geographic state, sure, um, sure. our direction as an MEP national network is to find solutions and find supply chain support that may or may not exist in the, in the, in the area. So it's, it, I, I like the way, you know, you, you know, you should go home and hug dad, to dad tonight. So, you know, I, it's nice. I, I feel very blessed to be able to work. My, my mother works here. My father works here. My brother works here. My uncle works here. And so it's, it's a family business and we treat things like a family business, right? We, we believe that everybody that works here is part of our family. We see each other more than we see our families, to be honest. And so um, we want to make sure that people understand that and they feel that because we want them to like coming to work. I like coming to work. I like the people we work with. Um, I like seeing them every day and, and engaging. And uh, I, I feel, like I said, just incredibly blessed for the company my, fam my, my father started. And, um, you know, his, his attitude is what's formed this company. And uh, we, we went on a trip. Uh, to Pennsylvania to uh, see some customers. Um, and uh, along the way, we were talking about core values and, and what core values mean to a company and what that's all about. And uh, he's never been somebody that, that wants to do it just because, because it's expected. Um, and so when we were talking about developing core values, he said, listen, it could be all garbage if you don't actually live behind them and you just pick a couple words, then who cares? It doesn't mean anything. And, you know, I thought he's absolutely right. And so he fell asleep and I was driving and, uh, you know, I started thinking and just running things through my head. And we, we came up with the, the concept of grit and how our company is founded on grit, how this industry is founded on grit. And, you know, there's grit when you walk through the, the shop and that, 
that doesn't necessarily mean the stones that are on the floor and the dust and the grime and all the stuff. To us, what grit means is gratitude, relationships, integrity, and tenacity. And uh, if we can do all the things that we want to do with our Alliance Grit, um, we believe that we'll be able to make a difference for people and, and, uh, and be successful. Yeah, that's cool. I like that. Uh, I have a similar thought process. Uh, you know, my business, my wife and I worked in it, uh, you know, uh, our son who chose a different path. He now works at the United Nations in the security detail, but slightly different, slightly different, but that's yeah. what he wanted. But he worked with us for us as part of us. And, uh, you know, I, I am what I call a a uh, forever Eagle Scout. Uh, scouting meant a lot to me. It helped me a great deal, especially after my dad passed uh, when Thank I was you. was young. And uh, my son's an Eagle Scout. And there's something simple with Boy Scouting. Uh, they have the Scout Law. Yep. And the Scout Law is just 12 words. And, and and my opinion is, if you follow those 12 words, you know you can really make a difference not only in your own life but in your business i actually started writing a book about those 12 words but never finished it but someday who knows so uh, uh i i you know love to meet your dad someday he seems like a pretty he's cool a good guy, guy. we'll have to take a trip out to new jersey yeah, we're, we're <laughs> it's always we're, fun but it, it's, it's one of those it's one of those things right where like you were saying those 12 laws, I was in scouts, uh, I was in scouts with my son. Those 12 laws are great for your own life. But, you know, the, the key is but, right? If you, if you do those 12 laws, you're going to impact the lives of people around you. And that is going to help impact you. And, and to me, that's more important. Um, you know, you're going to get the benefit of helping other people if you're courteous and kind and obedient and thrifty and cheerful and brave and all those things, right? Mm -hmm. um, but as you're getting the benefit, you're also benefiting the people around you and, and making an impact and a difference in a positive way to the world and the community that we live in. And that's that's really what we have to do. And I think that's what's going to help more people be successful. Um, I, I mean, it's working for us. Uh, like I said, when when I when I told my father those words, when we were talking about grit, like I said, he was sleeping, he woke up and I was like, I got it. I figured it out. And I went through it and I told him and he was like, well, where does that come from? And I, and I told him, it's what you taught us. It's how I watch you with people. It's how I see you interact. Like we're already doing those things. So you don't have to look at it as we're not living up to them or are we? It's how you created the business. You have gratitude for everybody that works here and they can feel that um, relationships are key to our business and i think most businesses if you can be friends with your customer if you can if you can call them uh, uh, and and know what's going on with their family or their kids or whatever right um relationships are are everything and if if you have integrity we have integrity i've seen a number of times where we lose money on jobs because it didn't go the way that we thought it was going to go mm -hmm. and um we do more work than we should because we want to make sure that we deliver a product back to the customer that that is exceeding their expectations. We'll have a tool that comes in here and the skid is just shattered, right? Like they, somebody will send us a big mold and, and it just can't hold it. And so before we send it back, we'll go out and we'll build a reinforced skid and we'll make sure that it's, it's uh, robust and it's going to go back in better shape than when it came in. And so integrity is a big deal. And then the, the idea of tenacity where, you know, you were saying earlier, we don't say no. 
we say yes. Uh, we believe that everything is possible if you just put your mind to it and, and focus and keep on trying and not give up. Um, it's, it's crucial. That's how you get ahead. Yeah, I, I agree with that. And I, I, you know, your relationship comment is great because I preach it here to our team. Uh, and the relationship has to be a relationship that is not only during good times, but bad times. You've got to be able to go to your client and say, hey, Mary, you're wrong about this one, or you're right about this one, or, you know, try that. And they trust in you to be able to, you know, to, to communicate with them properly. That brings in integrity and, and in the scout law that brings in trustworthy. So that's right. a, that's a big plus. That's right. I want to ask you, you know, one question and then I have these fast five questions that I've been asking people on this show, whatever you and, want. And, uh, you know, this is uh, part of the fun that I get to have during this thing. Cause I don't know what the hell I'm doing. So, uh, First one though is: uh, Are you connected with your MEP out in uh, in Illinois? I'm actually not, and um, I was talking with Mary Kate, who helped set this up, and um, we're going to look into that. I'm I'm honestly, I'm embarrassed to say this because I didn't have time to look into this because I was out in. We have a shop in California, and I was there uh, last week trying to figure stuff out. What is MEP? MEP is a manufacturing extension partnership. Okay. It, it is a program that was developed. Uh, I think it's close to 34 years ago, uh, through the, uh, department of commerce. Okay. Uh, the U S department of commerce. We're not, we're not government agents. We're not part of the government, but they, they set us up as a network. Uh, we had to compete for this role. And our mission is simple to help manufacturers and manufacturing thrive in our state. And our, the other half of our mission is to connect so sure. that you're working in multiple states. Uh, you need help or you need a, you know, certain type of training. How do you get consistent training in each state? You know, how do you get, you know, contact into the industry in each state? And you have a phenomenal one out in, in, in Illinois. Uh, Dave Boulay's IMEC crew, they're, they're amazing the, what the work they do. And I'm not just saying that there's 51 of us and there's, you know, we're, we're across the board, but I'd say that most of us are good. Uh, you know, and I'd say Dave's, uh, Dave's a great center. So it sounds like I gotta get off this call and look up Dave and reach out to him because it's one of those things that we're looking to do, right? We're, we're involved in the SPE and the TMA and the AMBA and, um, the uh, Illinois Manufacturing Association. And we, we believe very strongly it's part of that relationship thing, right? We're only as good as the people that we associate with. And um, it's impossible for us to have all the answers. We want to continue to learn. And the only way to do that is from people that have been there and can help us and give us that experience. And, and you know, we started our podcast real quick just as a way to be able to help grow the industry. That was the idea and um, let other manufacturers tell their stories about who they are and um, what, what successes they've had, what failures they've had, how they got into the industry. And so, you know, we've gotten a little bit of 
feedback that it's not manufacturing specific, that maybe we don't talk enough numbers or nuts and bolts. And to me, that's not what our show is about. Our show is about getting to know the people behind the name brand of the company and who they are um, and what their story is and what the journey is and what American manufacturing actually means to America. Yep. You're you're hundred percent correct on that. And, uh, you know, I said, I, I think I may have your email address. I'll introduce you to Dave, but I'll also introduce you to, uh, uh, you know, Lou and, and Tim over at uh, the manufacturing talk radio, because they're always looking to connect and expand right. the reach. And, and that's important stuff. Uh, yeah. As you say, because people don't understand the industry period. They know they don't think it still exists. And that that leads me into the fast five questions, which you'll get a little bit of time to to answer. But, uh, you know, we you know, this is part of the fun. It's like I got gotcha. you. Uh, I'm re- rapid fire. It's like the jeopardy of uh, of manufacturing. But uh, right. here's the first one. I think this will be easy for you, but uh, you can expound a little bit on it. Is manufacturing in the USA dead? No, it's not dead. It's alive and well. Um, the thing that's dead is um, people that want a job. Uh, I was just in California and it's virtually impossible to hire anybody right now. Um, people are happy to stay home and get a paycheck and not work. And uh, I talked with probably 10 different business owners while I was in California last week. And each one of them said that increasingly it's difficult to find anybody that respects work and wants to come into work. Um, they call in and they say, I'm just not coming in today. I'm not feeling it. Um, and that happens across the board. Um, it's becoming increasingly difficult to hire people. Um, and I don't know if that's from a lack of school education or, or counselors pushing people into going out and getting a job. I don't know if, if schools get rewarded for sending people to college. I don't know what that is, but I think manufacturing is alive and well and strong. We just need the players to be able to do it. That's good. I like that. Here's the second one. Can the U.S. economy exist and or thrive without manufacturing, in your opinion? Um, I don't think it can because I think there's a lot. Uh, there'll be a lack of good jobs to be able to support that stuff. Um, one of the things that we talk about is there's going to have to be an agreement between the population and manufacturers and what is expected and what's an, what's acceptable. And what I mean by that is everybody wants uh, people to have a living wage and to make good money. And everybody is 100% in agreement with that. What that means though, is products have to cost more money, right? If you want uh, things to be recycled, if you want people at factories and manufacturing plants to make more money, well, something has to happen where that product has to cost more money to manufacture. And if we're going to continue to buy products from overseas or over Amazon and everything is made in China where they don't have, where they may not have, I'm not going to say don't, they may not have the same uh, wants for their citizens. Well, of course they can make things cheaper. Um, they can do those things. And so what we need to have is we need to have a, a come to Jesus moment as a, as a country that says, listen, we want our people to be well taken care of, which means that we have to be willing to put out more money to be in order to do that. Um, it's a, it's a, it's not a chicken or an egg. It's got to have balance to be able to do that. Okay. Like that one as well. Here's, 
Here's one that uh, we've heard a lot about it. Uh, President Biden's talked a lot about it. President Trump talked a lot about it, you know. And here's the thing is that made in the USA sounds great. Yep. Uh, but we've heard this before. What do you see as the government, uh, our governments, whether it's state-based or federally based, what does made in USA mean to you? Uh, and how does it look? Yeah, so I think there's a difference between made in the USA, built in the USA, engineered in the USA. I think there's a lot of different things there. Um, we pride ourselves on having equipment that we make in, Waka in uh, Prairie Grove, Illinois. We have engineers there. We have welders there. We've got uh, technicians there. And we build, we physically engineer, develop, build laser welding and laser engraving systems in the United States. And what I'm starting to realize is that companies that we talk to, that's exciting for them, right? They want, uh, they, they like the idea of products, um, machinery, equipment, things that are made in the United States. Um, and I think it's important. I think it's okay that we have pride in that. Um, I think that as a country, we do a lot of amazing things and we got a lot of great people that work here and we should support that more. And it's gonna cost a little bit more money um, but made in America is something that we should all be proud of. And we should all be doing, because if we can't support ourselves, why is anybody else going to support us? If we're not going to buy here, why do we expect our customers to buy here or, or people on the other end? Um, we have to be willing to do those things and it's going to keep the jobs here. It's going to help us to keep employing people. But again, it goes back. It's all kind of intertwined, right? If people don't want the jobs, we can't build. If we can't build, we can't, uh, we, we can't get products out and it's, it's cyclical and we just, we need the people to be able to help. Um, I would encourage, and I would, I would bet that anybody listening to this show, um, at any point, not just right now, but currently I can speak to it. That was, that's looking for a job. If you're really honest and you're really looking for a job, you can find one by just going to an, uh, the MEP website or looking up manufacturers and asking them if they're hiring. Most of them are willing to hire and train. You don't even need experience most times. All you have to have is a, is a work ethic, an American work ethic, right? An old school American work ethic that says, we're going to get this done and we're going to work harder than the other guys. And you'll get a job. It's that easy. Yeah, I agree with you. You know, and you, more importantly, Tony, you're going to get a career. That's right. That, that's that's right. the difference. It's that's not right. a job. It's a career, and that, that's cool to me. Yep. Uh, you brought up staffing a couple times, so let's omit staffing out of this uh, next answer. Okay. Uh, what do you see as the number one issue for manufacturing or companies like yourself, because you're on the service aspect of manufacturing, what's the biggest issue for you to go overcome besides staffing? Yeah, I, I would say the, the biggest issue for us to overcome is um, communication right now. Um, I feel like over time, different things mean different things. Uh, and what I mean by that is when my father was starting, there was a set of standards, right? I'll use polishing, for example. There was a set of standards on what a finish was. So an A1 finish was always an A1 finish. An A2 finish was always an A2 finish. It always meant the exact same thing. There was no variance. There was no um, confusion on what that was. You knew what you were asking for. And now 
Um, what I what we see happening is because people are not starting out as mold makers and apprentices, they're learning stuff in school, um, which is great. And then they're going and they're they're becoming uh, engineers and they're becoming tool and die makers, but they don't they never actually like turn the handles physically right they never actually sat there and built the molds and and figured out the zero corner and did all those things hands-on and then went to that next step so what they see as an a1 or an a2 is they, they're not really sure there's some fluff there's some gray area to what that might be and so what we've had to do is have greater communication with our customers and call them and say all right you're calling out an a2 here what does that look like to you and um, what is the part and what is it, what is, what is the color of it and how is it going to function? And are you having issues in these areas and find out more details from them and let them do a little bit more digging before we actually get back to them with either a price or a finished product, because we, we need to be talking the same language. And I think <laughs> you see it all over the, the world right now, how language is evolving and different <laughs> things mean different things. And that's a whole different conversation that we could probably have at another time that has nothing to do with manufacturing, but life is weird and you don't know what's what anymore. And so for us, just that communication of talking to the customer and saying, you know, you already cut this part to uh, tolerance and you want an A1 finish. Well, we have to remove this much stock. We can't do that anymore. So the idea that people are going right into engineering without having gained the knowledge and the experience of, of what that looks like on the floor um, is a challenge. Yeah, I agree. I mean, I started as an apprentice many years ago and that's what, uh, and working with my dad, you know, uh, you know, uh, on jobs because it wasn't illegal back then to, to go yep. out as a 10 year old with your father and so on. Right. So, but it made me a better engineer. So that's, that's a great answer. Last question for you. Yep. Is our industry gaining ground fast enough? Um, I think this sounds, this sounds dumb, maybe, but I think uh, it's gaining ground. And I think COVID was a big part of that. I think that um, everybody wants to look at COVID as a huge negative in our lives. Um, and when we started doing our lunchtime podcast, we made the point over and over again that COVID is probably one of the greatest things that ever happened in manufacturing. And I think years down the line, we'll look at it and say that because what it did is, is it shut us off from the rest of the world, which made us focus on our industry and our technology and, and growing our businesses the way that we needed to. And so I think that we are gaining ground because of a global pandemic. And I think that's one of the strengths and the benefits that's going to come out of that. Now, the question to me is, now that things are opening up, are people going to continue down the path that they were going, or are they automatically going to go back to the cheapest price and deal with whatever issues that comes up with? Um, I think if people are honest and, and businesses are honest and, uh, and, and the, I mean, bigger businesses are honest, they're going to admit and, and agree that the bottom dollar wasn't everything. And the bottom dollar grew when we were all working together with the common goal of, of trying to survive and make products here because that's what we had to do. And um, as long as we don't try and cut corners right away again, and we keep giving the American businesses an opportunity to grow and thrive and get better, I think we are, we're definitely going to not only catch, but surpass the competition. Oh, I, I I agree fully with that comment because, 
you know, uh, you know what country has uh, been selected as the highest quality goods for the last 10 years? That's called the United States. And that's where we is. So, uh, well, you know, we have, we have some of the, you know, American consumers want quality. It's a fact they do. Um, I was talking to a company about recycling and what they were telling me was it's very difficult to have recycled products in the United States, even if it's a vacuum. Now, why is that? Because Americans want black, they want white, they want clear they're not okay with a variance in color. They are not okay with non-virgin material when it goes into making parts. They want it perfect, even if it's a vacuum cleaner, right? They want that gray or that black to be perfect. And it doesn't need to be. And so, of course, we have the highest standard for quality when it comes to parts going out of the, out of the country. We have that, that standard for ourselves. Well, good point. And, uh, Tony, I want to thank you uh, for spending a half hour or so with us today. Uh, uh, this show is called, uh, you know, uh, Manufacturing Partnerships, Making Waves. And we made a few today. Some I hope so. Uh, we had Tony Demakis, uh, which I mispronounced again, president of Alliance Specialties and Laser Sales out in Wakanda, Illinois. That's right. All That's right. right. Well, at least I got that right. And, and. Tony, thanks for being with us. Uh, and I'm going to make some connections for you because that's part of the relationship of grit, right? That's it. And before I go, if I could plug our, our podcast real quick and just let people know how they can hear go it. Ahead. Uh, we record live every Wednesday. Um, and we have that on LinkedIn. We have that on Facebook and we have that on YouTube. And uh, if you want to uh, find that, all you have to do is look me up, Tony Demakis. Uh, that's my LinkedIn profile. Or if you go to YouTube and you want to watch it there, we have past um, episodes on there. It's just AllianceLaserSales.com. Uh, that's our website. Um, and then the YouTube is just, uh, is it Alliance Laser Sales? Yeah, if you search Alliance Laser Sales, it'll come up. I should probably know that, but I don't off the top of my head. Um, but we, we're looking to talk to more people. So if you're listening to this and you want to get some exposure for your company, uh, we'd love to talk with you and, and, and hear your story as well. All right, my friend, I appreciate it. And I'm going to, I'm going to link into you too. So it's all good. I hope so. And uh, thank you. We'll talk to everybody soon. All right. Thank you, buddy. Thanks. Have a good day. This podcast is a part of the C-Suite Radio Network. For more top business podcasts, visit c-suiteradio.com.